Today, we have a very special guest, one of our uh, favorites here at True Life. He's been here several times. He's going to bring the word to us today. And uh, uh, I don't need to, um, his name is Andrew Gomison. And I met Andrew, for those of you who don't know, um, doing, uh, him and I used to do devotions, devotions in motion on WJQ. And uh, I met him there and I listened to some of his stuff and talked to him. Oh, this guy is a real man of God. And, and uh, we are honored and, and privileged to have him here today. So could you please welcome Mr. Andrew Gomison? Before I begin, I just want to share a little bit of a ministry update with you. Um, I'm still doing uh, my weekly podcast, which appears on my website every Friday. Um, still recording at WJQ um, uh, two or three times a month, so that's been going well. And we just posted our 125th straight episode on Friday, so that's pretty exciting that God has allowed um, us to do that for for so many weeks uh, in consecutive. And um, I'm really grateful to be here with you again today. Um, I always enjoy coming back here, and um, it was nice to see um, some old friends, the Regans here. I've known them for quite a few years. Um, I remember when their oldest twins were just probably two or three years old. So that's it's always a blessing to run into old friends. Um, I just wanted to let you know, one of the things I'm really praying about right now is that I have a speaking engagement in uh, Smithville, Tennessee on June 28th. And in the week uh, leading up to that, my goal is to spend some time in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, because there's um, several Christian ministries there. And I would like um, the opportunity to make some ministry connections, possibly um, record a couple interviews for my podcast and different things like that. So if you could be in prayer for that, a couple specific prayer requests. And number one uh, is the caregivers, um, um, hopefully one or two uh, men of God who would be willing to go with me and help me with my personal care as well as some other uh, things related to the trip. And then also just that uh, the different appointments that I'm planning for that week will come together and that God will be glorified. And then just also um, overall funding for the trip. It's, it's uh, you know, it won't be uh, a cheap endeavor, but I believe that if uh, God wants everything to work out, He will provide the funding. So if you could just uh, pray for those things, I would... Uh, very much appreciate it. Well, um, it's interesting, as I was praying about what to share uh, this week, um, there was a an interesting uh, happening in the news that happens from time to time. Um, a man who at one point uh, was considered a respected um, preacher, uh, Rob Bell, um, in the Grand Rapids area, has kind of decided over the course of time to um, decide for himself what the Bible says and what it means in some pretty crucial areas. And this latest thing, he has a television show on uh, Oprah's television network, and he said that we need to get past defining marriage by the writings of a 2,000-year-old book. My friends, my very life depends on the truth of this 2,000-year-old book. Jesus said, or Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. So today, while I wanted to preach something um, simple, something encouraging, and I, I do hope that this is encouraging, I'm not saying that, but I really felt that God um, was calling me to 
preach a hard message today. And I don't take this lightly. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty nervous, but I think that's a good thing. Because when you're called to open the Word of God and to preach it, it's not something to take lightly. James said, be not many teachers. And he talked about the high standards to which teachers are held. But when you are called to be one, you can't not do it. And so, today we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. We're actually going to start out in the last few verses of Romans chapter 11. And uh, let's just ask the Lord's blessing on His Word before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to be here today. We thank You that You uh, are the author of life and... uh, the author of truth, and you wrote this book um, not to be a just a history, just a literature gathering dust, but you say that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and so we ask that you would have free reign today so that the Word can do its work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to just read, um, by way of introduction, Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be the glory, to whom be glory forever. Amen. All right. So we see in this introductory portion here that his, his judgments are unsearchable in his ways past finding out. And as I think about what some people who claim to be ministers of the gospel do when they pass off some of these very important scriptures as old and outdated, is that they try to take human logic and make it make sense in God's Word. And we read here that His ways are past finding out. You know, in verse 34 here it says, For who hath known the mind of God, or who hath been His counselor? There's a lot of people today that want to be God's counselor. They want to tell Him how it should be. Or they want to say, well, God didn't really mean what He said. But that was really the story from the beginning of time because that was the approach of the devil in the Garden of Eden when he said, has God really said? Has God really said that you shouldn't eat everything? Shouldn't shouldn't eat of this tree? And the thing is, God had given them so much but he gave them one thing not to eat. He gave them one no. And they disobeyed it. And from that point on, sin has been present in this world. And there's been, a, there's been an ages-long struggle between sin and the truth. And so as we dig into this word, uh, in Romans chapter 12, you'll see the reason I started with chapter 11 is Paul says this, 
He says, I beseech you, therefore. So because of what we just read, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. And so, and then it's, then it says, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And so this, this first section, this first point that I want to talk about as we talk about this topic, and my title today is Continuing Strong in the Faith. Because I know sometimes when we're starting something new, uh, we're very excited, and we're just so excited to get started. And, and you probably remember, uh, or you may remember, what it was like to be a new Christian and just be so excited about what God had done in your life. But after a while, it can be easy for life to creep in and for it to become more normal, so to speak, and not the, the exciting thing that it once was. And so Paul is issuing a reminder here to yield our lives to God, to give our bodies to Him as a living sacrifice, and then we will be able to know what is the uh, will of God for our lives. And it talks about not being conformed to the world. Remember how he said that people like to interpret the Scriptures to make them say what they want them to say or to focus only on certain parts. It is a human tendency. The Pharisees knew the Scriptures more than anyone else in their day by the Word. But the Word made flesh was standing among them and they did not know who He was. One of the craziest things to me when you read the book of John is you see that all throughout this book Jesus is telling people who He is. Then they get mad at Him for telling them who He is. Then, a little while later, they ask who He is and He tells them who He is. And they get mad because they told Him. Because He told them who He was. He does this over and over again. And at the conclusion of the book of John, what do we read? We read, Jesus did so many signs and wonders that not even the world itself could contain the books. But these things are written that you might believe. And that you might have life through His name. So you want to know God's will for your life? Surrender your body and your life to Him as a living sacrifice. And don't think too highly of yourself. The Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We need to keep this in mind. I found this interesting illustration. It says, and this was back in 1981, so it was a while ago. But the Ladies' Home Journal asked this question, In whom do you trust? The results were very startling. 40% said Walter Cronkite. 26% said Pope John Paul. 6% said Billy Graham, and only 3% said God. So, 
My first question to you today is, who do you trust? Are you trusting God? Are you looking at the Bible as a 2,000-year-old book that can't possibly be up to date? Or are you looking at it as simply a book whose time has come and gone? This book has lasted through years and years. It's lasted through many times when people tried to destroy it, tried to ban it, tried to get rid of it. And it has lasted because the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God will last forever. It's the truth. If someone could look up by way of cross-reverence, and if you get to a cross-reverence, feel free to stand and read it so that everyone can hear it. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. And this, kind of, this is just more about God's working in our lives. Alright, so this just underscores what Paul is saying here about giving ourselves as a sacrifice for the Lord and living our lives for Him. In this world today, we're, we're often talk, we, we often talk about looking out for number one. Or, or what can I do to make my life better? But Jesus, uh, he, flips it, he flips the paradigm. He said, in order to be great in my kingdom, you must be a servant. And he showed that to us by example, because the Creator God, the one who spoke the world into existence, not only condescended to a human body, but he hung suspended between heaven and earth on a Roman cross because my sin put him there. And only a perfect sacrifice could do that work. So, what does this mean? First, we find our plan, find God's plan for our life. That's the first part. The second part is to do it with all your might. Let's look at Romans 12, 7 to 10. And this kind of, I'll, I'll go back to 6 because it kind of overlaps. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, him that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. And you know, sometimes the Bible tends to repeat things uh, very rapidly. And in this we see a parallel because we just read in the third um, verse that we're not supposed to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And then it says in verse 10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. You think this might be an important thing in the Christian life? I do. And so we see many different gifts listed in this passage, and there are others. This is not an exhaustive list, but Paul is basically saying if you have a gift and you know what it is, then use it. God made it very clear fairly early on in my life that one of my gifts was the gift of exhortation. And I kind of had a vision from a very young age that I would, would be a preacher. But then there was, a, there was a time in my life through my, um, as I approached my teenage years, where although I knew where my heavenly home was, my temporary home I was bitter at God about. I said, God, I know that you're not supposed to make mistakes, but you must have made at least one because here I am and I can't do all the things that I wish I could do for you. And finally, when I reached about my 14th year, God broke through and he said, Andrew, I don't need to change you. 
on the outside to use you. I just need to change let you I just need you to let me change you on the inside and then let me work in your life to do my will. For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Could God heal me? Yes, he could. But you know what? Paul asked God to heal him once. He asked him three times. And God's response to Paul, and I believe to me, is this. No, Paul. No, Andrew. But my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And with Paul, I say most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then we see here, as we go through this list, then what does Paul go right into after that? He says, let love be without dissimulation. Which I think, put most simply, don't play favorites, be genuine. And then he says, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. I think one of the reasons that there's so much confusion in the church about some of these major issues, specifically that of the sanctity of marriage, is we have not been taught to abhor that which is evil. And so, in our human logic, we say, well, well, I feel for this person because they have this lifestyle. And rather than coming down on God's side and saying this is wrong, we need to help these people, we need to pray for them, and we need to love them, which is true. We allow our desire to love them to become an acceptance. And we don't tell them the whole truth. It's not always about lying to someone, but you know what? A half-truth is a whole lie. Because the Bible has tr- talks about truth and lies. There's no real gray areas. Okay. If you're into bumper sticker philosophy, you've probably seen the axiom, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. For a vast portion of the workforce, that's the best reason they can muster for going to a job each day. According to one poll, only 43% of American office workers are satisfied with their jobs. In Japan, the figure dips to 17%. In the first century, Christian slaves had even less reason to be enthusiastic about their work, but Paul gave them a way to to grasp a glimpse of glory amid the grind. He wanted them to adorn the doctrine of God, that is, to show the beauty of their faith in Christ by how they work, Titus 2.10. A significant and often overlooked uh, overlooked way that we serve God is in our everyday tasks, Martin Luther understood this when he wrote, The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as the monk who prayed, not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. And that is from the daily, Our Daily Bread from September of 1994. So, whatever God has given you to do, whether it be a stay-at-home mom, which is an awesome privilege and responsibility. My mom was a stay-at-home mom of 11 children. Um, She had the privilege of leading many of us to the Lord. And so, when we go out and we serve the Lord, And as we've gone throughout the country doing so in various capacities, including that of the United States military, her legacy lives on through that. Some people say when they hear about someone who chooses to be a mom, is that all you do? But if anybody knew how busy my mom was on a day-to-day basis, 
they would take back those words right away. So, our second point. Do it with all your might. Find what God has for you. Find God's plan for your life and do it with all your might. And one of the ways that you can find God's plan for your life is to pray, to ask others what they think about you, which can be intimidating. But also to start, just start doing things, finding places to serve. And very quickly, you will find what you're good at and what you're not so good at. But the one thing that I have learned is in the past, it's been easy for me to look at what other people do and even sometimes now to look at what other people do and wish I could do that. But you will only find satisfaction and, and uh, energy and the ability to do the things that you're called to do if you're doing what it is God has made you for. When we try to do other people's jobs, it doesn't work out very well. And when we try to avoid God, when we try to argue with God as I did for nine years, we find that God already knows the answers to our arguments before we even open our mouth, and so we might as well have saved our breath. Moses thought that he could argue with God. He argued with God for a chapter and a half in the book of Exodus. I encourage you to look at it at another time. But the end of it was, God said, go with me, or go and I will be with you and I will tell you what to say. And that's what God has told me and that's what God is telling you today. In whatever your sphere of influence, God has work for you to do and things for you to say and he will show you what those things are. Could somebody look at John thirteen thirty three and 34? Somebody can read that for us. Thirteen thirty three and 34. My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Alright, so this just underscores the part that we were talking about, about doing all we can to love one another and to prefer one another at the end of that section. And as we, as we do God's will and as we find the place where He wants us, that also gives us a frame of reference through which to love one another. We, we love one another by first loving God and then allowing our love for God give us a love for others that we would not be able to express otherwise. Because we don't have the capacity for it. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17.9 that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But when Jesus comes, He takes your heart of stone. And He puts in its place a heart of flesh. And he, he makes you capable of things that you never thought were possible because He works in you, as we talked about, to do what He wants. And He aligns our our goals with His. I used to look at that verse, delight thyself also in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I used to think, well, if I pray hard enough for, for that new remote controlled car or for, for any number of things, God, that means God's just going to give it to me. I thought of God as a vending machine. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that God, not only does He give us the desires of our hearts, but He changes and makes the desires of our hearts. And so as the desires of our hearts align with His, then, um, then that's when we get the desires of our hearts. That's not to say that He doesn't give us some of the things that we want, some of the things that we desire. A case in point for me is the radio work. From the time I was seven years old, I was making fake radio shows 
I was, you know, pretending that I was a DJ. I even had some fake contests. I had so many mixtapes. One of the things that I I did sometimes for people for Christmas is I would um, make tapes of Christmas carols, and I would have different devotional thoughts that I would have in the middle of each of the songs or a couple songs. I really wanted to be a DJ. And as I got out of college, I felt God leading me in a different direction, preparing me to preach. And I thought, okay, well, I guess radio is not for me. Fast forward to May of 2011, when my mom tells me, you should contact the Christian radio stations, let them know about your ministry, so that they can help you get the word out. I wrote an email to... um, Chris Danielson, who was then the morning show host at WJQ. And he wrote me back and said, believe it or not, we're getting ready to start a uh, Devotions in Motion segment that will feature ministry leaders, and I would like you to come and be one of the first people to do that. And neither of us had any idea that the other one was out there until that email exchange. But you know what? God did. God knew that I still had a desire to work in radio, to, to do that thing. Because like Todd, I'm pretty sure people would say I have a face for radio. And uh, that's why I don't do too many videos. But uh, that's another discussion for another day. But the point is, God knew that I had a desire to do the radio thing. And I haven't been on live radio for a while. I'm still pursuing that, still having ongoing discussions with the management at WJQ about the possibility of working there one day. But it's been a great open door to continue to go in and to record um, my podcast. And I feel like my podcast recently got a bump up because my co-host and producer, Adam McNutt, who works at the station, was recently promoted to the morning show. So I, I feel like we're going places We'll see what happens. But God is good. And um, the third point I want to bring out is for us to encourage one another. And uh, we're just looking at um, what God uh, is telling Christians, how God is telling Christians to be. um, Because, and I really think this is very important, you know, We should be some of the best workers out there. Whatever field that God has called us to, we should should stick out. Um, Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He talks about living a separate life and living a life dedicated to God so we would shine like the stars in a crooked and perverse generation. But this is what he says in Romans chapter 12, verses 11 to 18. And again, I'm going to backtrack a little bit just because of the sentence structure here. It says, Be kindly affectionate one to another, verse 10, with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And I'm glad that you have a prayer time as a regular part of your church service. That's a great thing. Because so often we say, well, prayer meeting only fits at this time. But God wants to hear from us all the time. And if there's a need that comes up, we need to be willing to pray for it immediately. So I want to encourage you to continue in that. Okay. I'm just going to read 12 over again. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth with you, live peaceably with all men. 
And so we see a pattern where Christians should be among the most joyful, encouraging people on the face of the earth. We go from talking about brotherly love and preferring one another within the church, and then we talk about taking it into the marketplace and not being slothful, being hardworking, serving the Lord. Remember that when you go to your place of employment, you may have a boss who you report to, but you also have a higher boss. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus left us here on earth and He didn't leave us comfortless. He left us with the Holy Spirit. But why did He leave us here? He left us to continue the work which He began. The Bible says that He went from town to town preaching the Gospel, asking people to repent, and saying that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And He calls us to do the same thing. And it's not just being in the pulpit. If you're a mother, you have a built-in congregation with your children. When you share with them the truth of the Scriptures, you are preaching powerful sermon. And more importantly, when you live the Scriptures, you are preaching a powerful sermon. There was a story that I heard about these pastors, and they were arguing over what was the best uh, translation. And, and one man said, well, the King James, it's... it's it's earnest, it's lasted so long, it's a great translation, it's poetic, all these reasons. The next guy said, well, I like the NIV because it's simpler to read and it's still, um, it's still truthful, it's got everything I need. The third pastor said, I prefer my mom's translation because you see my mom lived it. See, we can argue over English translations until the day that Jesus comes. But what God wants from us is to read these words in whatever translation we do and then to go out and to live them. So, I think we all, myself included, can do a lot better in some of these areas. But there is one thing I wanted to close this point with, and it's verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lieth with you, live peaceably with all men. And I think this is an important verse of Scripture because we should be a peaceful people. But at the same time, I think sometimes we, we misdefine living a peaceful life as living a cowardly life. You see, the truth is being attacked every day. And we have a responsibility to stand for truth. We, we shouldn't uh, continue and just have mindless conversations that are going nowhere, which we sometimes can but we need to stand for truth when errors are pointed out. We need to speak the truth in love. But you know what? Even if you speak the truth in love, you will sometimes be called a hater because the world hates the truth. Jesus was a loving person. He was, probably, he was the most loving person ever. The Bible says God is love and Jesus was God so therefore he was the personification of love and everything that love should be and yet he was nailed to a cross. So a big question that I have for myself and for you is are you willing to suffer for the cross? Now right now, here in this country, it's more about suffering ridicule and maybe getting your feelings hurt but it could come down to having to lay down your life for the cross of Christ. And I want to be ready and equipped and filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way 
that if that day comes, I'll be prepared to do it. I had to get a shot this week because I hadn't had my tetanus shot in a while. And um, I was scared because I hate needles. I always tell my parents, you never had to worry about me getting a tattoo because I hate needles. So tattoos are out, which my dad always told me anyway. But it's kind of neat to be afraid of needles and have that situation just taken care of, no temptation in that particular area. But anyway, it just reminded me that if God calls me to lay down my life for him, he's going to have to give me an extra measure of grace at the time that I need it. Because I don't feel at this point that I could stand the pain. But I remember what Jesus said when, when, when you are dragged before rulers and asked to stop speaking in my name, don't worry about what you will say because in the hour that you need it, the Spirit will tell you what to say and will be with you. And 11 of the original 12 disciples, they spent their life proclaiming the gospel and at least 10 of them by tradition, were martyred for that faith. Tradition says they tried to martyr John too, but he was boiled in oil and survived. So they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, where God gave him the book of Revelation. And we don't know how old he was when he passed away, but um, he must have been fairly old. But for the majority of the disciples... They were killed because they believed in Jesus Christ. And did you know that there are more people being martyred for the sake of the gospel today than there ever were? I I think it was a recent number I saw said like 7,000 a year lose their life. And even more are persecuted. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters. Specifically, I'm thinking of India because I have some friends that run an orphanage in India called Faith and Deeds. He's an Indian. He was adopted by an American couple. Then he, he went to school here, married an American. They went back to India to start an orphanage to care for the forgotten for the children that get left on street corners or even sometimes left at their doorstep. But India just got a new prime minister who one of his goals is to eradicate Christianity from his country. So we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in India. So, as we find what God wants us to do, as we do it with all our might, and as we encourage one another, may we remember that God is in control. And lest you think that you can't do much to encourage others, because I once was there that I didn't think I could do enough, but you have to do what God puts in front of you. This story related says this an elderly widow restricted in her activities was eager to serve Christ after praying about this she realized that she could bring a blessing to others by playing the piano the next day she placed this small ad in the Oakland Tribune pianists will play hymns by phone daily for those who are sick and despondent this service is free the notice included the number to dial when people called she would ask what hymn would you like to hear Within a few months, her playing had brought cheer to several hundred people. Many of them freely poured out their hearts to her, and she was able to help and encourage them. Just something simple like that. When God puts someone on your mind, jot them a note. Or better yet, pick up the phone and call them. Because you never know how long you have with the people in your life. Over the last four years or so, I've had three of my friends pass away in their late 20s or early 30s. 
when you're young, and yes, I still consider myself young, but when you're young, you sometimes think you're going to live forever. You think that you're invincible. And you think that the people around you are going to be with you forever. And you say, well, one day I'll catch up with them. And then, before you know it, they're gone, and you're wondering why you didn't take the opportunity to love on them while they were here. So I've been trying to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit when He puts a name on my mind and my heart. He usually will leave it there until I pick up the phone and call them or write them an email. Because it may be, and I know this has been true in my life when other people have contacted me, it may be that you are contacting them when they need it most. Because see, we, we don't see everything that God is doing, but angels are real. Demons are real. There is a spiritual warfare going on in this world, but God is in control, and He's orchestrating things from behind the scenes, and He has a plan, and it may be that that phone call that you give to someone is part of that plan. And then our final point, as we go through this continuing strong in Christ, is let God work out the future. Romans 12, 19-21 says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt give coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And if I can give a word of testimony on this, I can just tell you that when you seek to do good things for someone who you don't really like, or who you've had trouble with, it's hard to keep being mad at them. So if there's someone that you've had difficulty with in your life, maybe try doing a random act of kindness for them and see what happens. And know that even if they don't respond favorably, you've still done something that God calls for us to do. You see, we... Love is one of the most overused words in the English language. We don't even know what it means anymore. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And then he calls us his friends if we follow his commands, if we trust Jesus as our Savior. But the truth of the matter is that Romans chapter 5 tells us it goes even further. God's love goes even further. Because it says, while we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is what I want to finish with today. If you have never accepted Jesus' free gift of forgiveness and salvation, I would implore you to do so today. The Bible says in Romans, uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And nothing I've said in this sermon so far will be worth anything if you have not been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't find God's plan for your life if you're still running on your plan. You can't pursue it with all your might if you're still running on your plan. You can't encourage one another if you're still running on your plan. And you certainly can't trust God for the future if you're still running on your plan. So I would encourage you to surrender to Him. And make no mistake... It doesn't mean everything is going to get easier. It might even get harder. But God will be with you through it. 
He doesn't always say that he'll take you out of the circumstance, but he will walk with you through the circumstance. And he will give you all the grace you need at the time that you need it. During his 1960 presidential campaign, John F. Kennedy often closed his speeches with the story of Colonel Davenport, the Speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives. One day in 1789, the sky of Hartford darkened ominously, and some of the representatives, glancing out the windows, feared the end was at hand. Quelling a clamor for immediate adjournment, Davenport rose and said, The day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. Rather than fearing what is to come, we are to be faithful till Christ returns. Instead of fearing the dark, we are to be lights as we watch. So the question is, are we willing to be lights? Are we willing to be unpopular? Remember, John the Baptist told Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And John the Baptist ended up in prison. And for a while, Herod was afraid to kill John because he knew that he was a prophet. But his wife, that he shouldn't have had, prevailed upon him to cut off John's head and to kill him. John was a human being. But Jesus said this of him, No man greater has ever been born of a woman. What a testimony. The Bible is filled with men who are imperfect, with women who are imperfect. Whether it be Moses, whether it be Abraham, their failures are there for us to see, and yet so are their triumphs. So is the result of their obedience to God. So I want to encourage you to be men and women of the Word. So that when people try to distort the Word, when people try to tell you to throw out a 2,000 year old book, to say that it's irrelevant, you can say to them, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for its power. We thank you that you were here this morning. And we pray that you would be with everyone here. We know that there are uh, physical struggles that certain people are going through. We pray that you would give grace to, um, to handle those. We pray that you would uh, just be with everyone's needs. You know them all. You've counted the hairs of our heads. And so I ask that you would bless this group of people. I ask that you would make your face to shine upon them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen.